On the swampy planet of Vaudran, Castian continues the deadly obstacle course his still unseen antagonist has plotted for him. His time and his stamina are running short as he once again comes face to face with the worst of what Vaudran can throw at him. The clock is ticking, Castian. You were told you have 20 minutes to make it to the Colosseum. Do you know where the Colosseum is? Castian doesn't even know what section of the city he's in. Honestly, he's forgotten the name of the city by this point. But first, he's going to collect his wits as he's looking around, because you said this was the tallest building around. So he's hoping he could see something that looks like a Colosseum, while also getting some strain back. It is up to you whether this is a discipline or a cool check. It is simple, so there's no difficulty. I got four successes, two advantages, and a triumph. So I got back the two strain that I was missing. So that's great with your strain. And you know what? With a triumph, I'll let you heal one wound. Fantastic. Castian like rubs his hand over his wound, kind of massaging it a little bit as he walks to the edge of this building. And he just squints and he's looking around, trying to see where possibly a Colosseum could be. Give me a perception roll. This is going to be easy. Just one purple die difficulty. I got one success. Nothing else. With one success, you see the Colosseum. It is an oval-shaped building, high walls. You can't see what's inside of it, despite your tall vantage point. It looks like the walls are kind of angled inward, almost like there may have once been a roof there that has caved in. And what's notable about its location is that it's in the shadow of that Star Destroyer you saw earlier. How far away is it? It's going to be long enough that being there in 20 minutes on the ground would be tough. Cassian doesn't have time running down this building. He knows that there are some steps in the stairwell, but he doesn't know if that extends all the way down or not. So I'm going to take one of my destiny points and I want to add something to the scene. Well, why don't you tell me what it is and I'll let you know if it's approved. Castian looks around and he runs to the side of the building and he's like, that's impossible. There's no way for me to get down. And he looks down and about 20, 30 feet below him is an abandoned window washer platform. Rusted with age, covered with detritus, but it's there. I will give it to you. With the warning, since it is so rusted, it bearing your weight is going to be a little tricky. Castian will take it. He climbs over the edge of the building, takes a deep breath and mumbles, May the force be with me. Always! And he jumps, trying to land on this platform. I think rather than making this an athletics roll, it's actually a coordination roll to make sure that you hit your target, don't slide off, or break this thing with your weight. So with all of that going for you, this is going to be hard. I got one success, but two threats. With one success, you land on the platform. However, one of the chains breaks. That's one of the threats. So you slide down this platform and you have to grab and struggle not to slide all the way off. But you succeeded, so you don't and I'm going to bank that second threat. Castian is going to climb up the metal grating of the floor until he finally gets to the area where there's some remnants of controls, 
and he is going to pry open the side of the box and try to get this thing started again. I think that's mechanics. Difficulty? This is going to be average difficulty, but with a setback die due to its age. I got one success, but again, two threats. So with one success, you are able to activate it. It sparks in your face as power floods through this thing for the first time in a decade. As the window washer platform begins to descend and picks up speed and more speed, you realize to your horror that while you were able to activate the power, the brakes are out of commission. Oh, no, 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 no. And Castian right now is just... He's holding on for dear life as he's watching the ground get closer and closer, and he is trying to do the mental math in his head about when he should force sleep off this thing. Very soon. And as soon as he realizes that, yes, he is going to force leap as far as he can towards the softest bit of sludge that he could possibly find. Roll me just your, your force die. You are able to make this jump, but let's see if the force is in fact with you. <laughs> got one dark side, one light side, so Castian's going to call upon the light side as he ignores that fear and that anxiety and instead focuses on patience and deep breathing, and then he just feels the force urging him to jump at the right moment. Castian jumps. Castian jumps far farther than any regular person can jump, of course. And you're even able to land on a soft raft almost of moss that seems to be floating on top of the swampy land. Behind you, you hear the ear-splitting crash as metal shrieks and gives way and hits the ground. This ground is very soft, it's marshy, it's swampy, but still that platform makes a huge crashing sound, a bone-rattling crash as it hits the ground. Castian is going to bring up his bracer to check how much time he has left on his timer, and then he's going to realize he never set it. And he's like, oh, set a timer for 18 minutes. And then he's going to stop and look around, trying to reorient himself to the surroundings to see which way was the Colosseum. From your vantage point here on the ground, once again, the Colosseum is out of sight, but that giant Star Destroyer is impossible to miss. Castian's going to move towards that Star Destroyer, going as fast as he can. Give me a survival roll. Let's see how easy it is for you to get there. This is going to be average difficulty, but let's make it interesting. Let's upgrade one of those dice. I got two successes, but three threats. Oh, you have your eye on the prize, Castian. You've been traveling, according to your timer, for 10 minutes. And it's been tough sludging your way through all the muck and gunk on the ground. But you can now see the Colosseum. Thank the stars. But what you don't see is slithering just beneath the surface is a dragon snake. So a dragon snake is, in this case, about 10 feet long. It's a juvenile dragon snake, which is good because a gigantic dragon snake, Star Wars fans might know, 
as the creature that tried to eat R2-D2 on Dagobah. So a dragon snake looks like a cross between a reptile and a snake. Very creative names here. It has the body and limbs of a crocodile and the long tail of a crocodile. And then it has a long neck that ends in a head filled with sharp fangs. In their adult form, they can be 20 plus feet long. In game terms, they have a silhouette of two. However, this is a juvenile dragon snake. So we're going to put it around 10 feet long. They move incredibly quickly through water. Water is its natural habitat. So it is coming at you fast, Castian, and you are just barely able to recognize that something is coming at you before it snaps at you with its jaws. And it gets two successes against you. The dragon snake's toothy maw erupts from the water, snaps at you, grabbing one of your arms. Not your lightsaber arm, I'll give you that, because it rolled two threats. But with two successes, does five damage as it grabs onto your arm and is going to want to drag you under the water. Castine is going to soak four of that, so he's taking one wound. And he's going to quick draw his lightsaber. Which you can do as a maneuver? Yes, I can. And then I'm going to slice at it. Go ahead. I got three successes and one advantage. So that is 10 points of damage with my lightsaber. I have breach one, and I believe that means it ignores uh, 10 soak. Which is good. I mean, this has a soak of six, which is very good, but is nothing against a lightsaber. So you are able to attack the dragon snake, doing 10 total damage to it as your lightsaber slices across the bridge of its nose, it shrieks in pain, an almost deafening sound. And because you had an advantage, it releases your arm. Yeah, Castian's stumbling away as much as he can. Is this thing still after him? It is thrashing in the water. It is obviously angry, but it's in a lot of pain. So it is not going to attack you this round. Castian doesn't have time for this, so you know what? He's going to force sleep as far as he can towards the Colosseum and just continue on his way. Hopefully this thing gets the message and doesn't follow. I'm going to still ask you to do an athletics check because it is thrashing and churning up the water so much. It might hurt you basically by accident, like with its tail or something like that. So this is going to be an average difficulty that uh, has two setback dice because of your very chaotic environment at the moment. I got one success plus two light side points. So Castian calls upon a light side to fuel his force jump. So you are able to make the leap out of there. Are you just going for lateral distance or are you trying to get on a nearby roof? Does it look like I'm still traveling through swampy areas or is it a little bit more dry land as I approach the Colosseum? It looks like the water only gets deeper ahead of you from here. Then rooftop it is. So you are able to hop onto a roof. From here, it looks to be a pretty straight shot to the upper walls of the Colosseum. And then Castian is going to be traveling these rooftops trying to get there without falling through. Give me one last coordination roll. Your timer says that you have five minutes left. You know that's only an estimate. Difficulty? 
this is going to be hard. Three difficulty. One success, one threat. As you are running, your foot sinks through one of the rooftops. The wood is rotted and your foot just breaks through. You're going to take a point of strain damage. But with one last leap, you leap from the rooftops onto the intimidatingly tall walls of the Colosseum. Now, the Colosseum is a crumbling structure. Parts of it are sinking into the swampy ground like you have seen so many of these buildings. Obviously, any civilization that makes it far on Vaudrin must invest tons of money and time just into infrastructure upkeep to make sure that their buildings aren't constantly sinking. And of course, nobody has been doing that upkeep in this city for 10 years or so. Now, the water here is deep enough that you can't readily see a ground-level entrance into the Colosseum. It looks like the only way in is up and over, into that empty interior space where you think once a roof stood. Castian will be carefully climbing up that slanted wall that you talked about earlier and trying to get to that opening in the rooftop. Give me one last athletics check here. Average difficulty. I got three advantages and I got two light side and two dark side points. Since this is the athletic check, I'm going to be using the force to give myself two successes. So with two successes and three advantages, which is a very nice roll, you are able to make it to the top of the Colosseum wall and your timer shows that you still have one minute to spare. Castian has no time for a witty remark. He just looks down and sees if there's a soft place for him to land. There's many soft places, because the interior of the Colosseum is flooded. And while the water itself would be a safe landing place, you're not that far up. You know, you could be able to hit the water without it hurting you. What might hurt you is all of the detritus within the Colosseum. It's almost as if the Colosseum has been acting as a filter, capturing larger pieces of debris before they can pollute the rest of the city. Breaking through the water surface, you can see large chunks of cement and rusty iron construction beams. The water itself is brackish and muddy with an oily sheen across the top. The whole place smells like an imperial refueling station. And in the very center of it all, you see the hollow projector that you need to trigger. The Colosseum has to be at least 100 meters across. You've got to traverse 50 meters to get there. And what is the hollow projector resting on? A pedestal. You can't tell whether it's something that was just naturally there in the middle of this field or whether it was placed there for maximum dramatic impact. Castian rubs at his face before looking back down at his timer and seeing that it is way past that minute that he had left. And he mumbles, oh, here goes nothing. And he's going to back up a few steps. Could he make the leap to this thing? This would be medium range. Castian is doing the mental math in his head before mumbling to himself, Well, I survived falling off an asteroid cliff. How bad could this be? And he's going to charge and then do a force jump, trying to land precisely on that very small pedestal. So this is going to be hard. Okay, so I got one success, Angela. Good. But I need to have two points of the force. I got a light side and I got two dark side. Now the question is, do I have to use both those dark side to succeed, or can I use a dark side and a light side point? 
I think that it is the dark side that's motivating you to get through this. I think you have to use two of the same side of the force. I understand. So I'll take two strain. And of course, you need to take two conflict for using the dark side. Yes. Castian, he tries to focus on just making this jump, but it is so far. He's already exhausted. And it's not that he's afraid when he's making this jump. He's angry. He is angry he's being led around on a leash. It reminds him of how Tremaine used to test him. He is annoyed, frustrated, and that's the thing he grabs onto when he makes this jump. But whatever it is that motivates you, it's what gets you there. You land on this small pedestal. It is maybe two feet in diameter. It, it is a balancing act for you to stay up there and not to just kick the hollow projector into the water. You have no idea what would happen if you did that. Luckily, you don't. And when you land on this pedestal, your feet heavy on it and sending some cracking bits of cement into the water, the hollow projector activates. Are you tired yet, Castian? Your shoulder doesn't look too good. How does it feel to be run ragged with no one here to save you in your final hours? You are a blight upon the galaxy, just as the Empire is a blight upon this planet, befouling the very water with their abandoned ships of war. Immerse yourself in the adulterated groundwater. Your only escape is via the airlock into the abandoned tunnels. Take them to the city center. Arrival in the next half hour is the only way to ensure the woman's survival. Do you want a blight? I will give you a blight, Castian says as he clenches his teeth, activates his lightsaber, and just slices down this hollow projector. It fizzles and sparks. Castian clenches his teeth as that very familiar darkness touches at the back of his mind and he clenches his jaw and looks down before taking a deep breath don't let him win Castian this is a fool's game this is a fool's game do not play by his rules and Castian is going to look around he said something about an airlock some sort of thing to the tunnels yes under the water Castian is going to uh, lean forward and kind of push his blade close to the water to see if he can see through it You cannot. And when your face is close to the water, you just inhale these fumes for a moment that make you cough. You have a feeling that being in this water for too long would be very detrimental to your health. But you also don't see another option. Cassian's about to just jump in, but then he stops himself and closes his eyes, and then he's going to kneel down on this pedestal and deactivate his blade. And again, he is going to first try to calm himself. He is angry at this point. He is starting to touch the dark side, and that's something he cannot do. That will kill Nero Solbright quicker than him just being late. But while he's there, focusing on his breath, he's trying to think about the architecture of this Colosseum. Where would it make the most sense for some sort of entrance to the tunnels to be? Judging by everything he has learned by the buildings that he's run through, that's what he's trying to focus on. To think like a Valdron. So, I like this idea. What about we make it a xenology role? 
uh, trying to get in that mind of the species. Right. So Castian will do that. First, I'm going to roll my discipline to get me some uh, strain back. Okay. I got three successes, two advantages, so that brings me back to full strain. And then Castian's going to roll Xenology. What's the difficulty of this? This is hard. I'm going to spend one of my destiny points uh, to make my green into a yellow. One success, one threat. You know what I'm going to do with that threat, right? Are you going to bank it? I'm going to bank it. You're going to bank it. But with one success, you think you have an idea of where you need to go. So you are going to get a boost die on your roll. And with that, Castian's clipping on his lightsaber to his belt. And then he's going to reach down into his pack and pull out just a simple emergency flare. And he's going to activate it and take a deep breath before diving into this murky water. All right. So here's how this works. Because I assume you're diving into the water and you are going under the water, correct? Yes. Now, you can hold your breath for a number of rounds equal to your brawn rating. Three. So you can hold your breath for three rounds. That's good. Now you can keep going after that, but you will start taking three strain per round because you will start to suffocate. Also, because you are in a caustic environment now, this isn't normal water. This is water that has been polluted by Star Destroyer jet fuel. So you are going to be taking one strain for every round that you are in this water. Sound good? Sounds dreadful, but I'll take it. So now to swim through this water and find your airlock. This is going to be a survival roll. It is hard with two setback dice. I got one success. Great. Three threats and a triumph. Hey. That's not bad. I don't have a great survival. It's not a bad survival, but I don't have a great one. You don't have a great one. So one success, three threats and a triumph. Yes. All right. So with a success and a triumph in there, absolutely, you are able to make it through this water. You are able to swim around the many obstacles that are under this water because if you thought there was a lot of debris sticking out of the top of the water, it is like a coral reef underneath the water made out of litter and debris but you're able to navigate it with ease. The force is truly with you at this point. But with three threats, despite you being very well clothed, most of your skin is covered, of course that water just gets everywhere and it's starting to irritate your skin, almost burning it. So you are going to take three strain and you cannot soak this. You are able to find the airlock door with breath to spare, again, because you had a triumph there. However, this door is covered in a decade of silt. So while you can find the handle, keeping a grip on it is difficult. Now this airlock door looks like something out of a starship. This Colosseum was obviously designed in some ways to be flooded, where they would probably have some sort of gladiator games involving ships on water. You know, Vondren made water battles here. So you have an airlock so that people, creatures, weapons could be taken from the dry tunnels underneath out into the water without flooding those tunnels. 
So that is what you are looking at. You have a handle that needs to be turned, but working against you are the silt making it slippery, and of course, just the physical act of moving something underwater when it's not like you can really brace yourself against anything. So in order to unlock this airlock before your air runs out, it is going to be an athletics check. It is going to be average difficulty with two setback dice. I got one advantage. With one advantage, you are unable to get this open. Obviously, you haven't succeeded. However, you haven't run out of air yet. You have one last chance to try to open this before you are going to have to surface or start taking more strain. Castian's going to try it one more time. Is it the same difficulty? It's actually now going to be upgraded. So still average difficulty, two setback dice, but now one of those purple dice is upgraded to a red. So right now, I got two light side points Mm -hmm. and I got a failure. What I'm going to do is I'm going to use those two light side points to add a success to my athletics check. Two of them bringing me up to one success. Putting all of your effort, not just physical, but almost a spiritual guidance into it from the force, you are able to wrench the lock of this air lock open. And with the pressure of a football stadium's worth of water behind you, you crash into a small airlock room. Water is pouring in on top of you. I'm going to need one last roll from you. I need an average resilience check to try to avoid swallowing the water as you are grasping at the door to close it again. Four successes. That is great. With four successes, not only are you able to avoid getting a a mouthful of water, you are able to pull that door closed. So ultimately, you're still in water up to your waist, but it stops pouring in on top of you. (coughs) Oh, God, I thought it smelled bad on the outside. Castian is raising his flare up, trying to get a sense of where he can go from inside here. There is only one place you can go. The room that you're in is maybe six feet across. And the only other way through is another airlock door. He's going to go to that airlock and throw his weight into it to to get to the tunnels. The airlock door groans on rusty hinges as you push it open, revealing the promised tunnels. Ugh. Castian is going to drop the flare as it's already kind of spent at his feet, and he's going to pull out his lightsaber and activate it. And he's going to use that as a light source as... He is wiping his hair from his face, and he tries to figure out, is there only one way to go in the tunnels, or or does he have to figure out, go left or right? Well, you have a problem before you can figure out which way to go. You dropped your flare, mostly spent but still flickering, onto the ground, into the water. Now, you've had this flare in the water that has been tainted by the jet fuel. But whether it's bad luck or maybe just something unique to the makeup of these tunnels, the flare sets the gasoline on fire when it hits the water. Oh no. So I am going to need you to give me another resiliency check with just an average difficulty. I got one threat. 
With one threat, in addition to the one rating of this fire, it's a small fire, but still not something you want to deal with for very long. You're going to take two strain damage. Castian immediately yips and yelps as this thing ignites, and he just dives forward trying to roll himself through the water, through the muck, through anything that possible can just kind of put this flame that's spreading on his body out. There is rules for that. It is going to be a easy athletics check, just one purple die. I got two successes, one advantage. You're able to put out the fire without any further damage to yourself. That is so unfair, Castian mumbles as he sits up. I was towed. Those were safe. This is why you don't trust a man. And Corellia, Castian, you forgot to set the timer again, he realizes as he looks towards his bracer and it's just blank. Um, 20 minutes. And he sets it for 20 minutes before standing up and waving his lightsaber around, trying to figure out which way he should go. Well, like everywhere else on this planet, These tunnels are filled with water, about up to your knees. The tunnels are tall. You are able to stand easily. It looks like they are some sort of aqueduct. You hope it's an aqueduct and not old sewage tunnels. The walls are smooth concrete, halfway covered in moss and mold. The smell of fuel is still in the air, but you're not sure whether it's coming from the water or whether that scent is now just permanently lodged in your sinuses. But it looks like there is just one way to go. You look to your right, and while the tunnel does go that way, it looks like it has collapsed. Well, hopefully you're a bit of a sportsman and not sent me on a fool's errand, Castian mutters before turning away from that collapsed end and starts walking down the end that is not so collapsed. Again, he's using his lightsaber as a light source, especially now seeing that those flares aren't safe to be used down here. The tunnels twist and turn. There are a couple of branches that go left and right, east and west, north and south. It is very difficult to keep your bearings down here. You were told to go towards the city center which, even above ground, you probably only have the faintest idea of which way it was. So I need a hard survival check to navigate these tunnels and make sure you are going in the correct direction. I'm going to use one of my destiny points to upgrade my green to a yellow. And with that, I got a success and a threat. As you are navigating these tunnels, you're beginning to feel pretty confident. You know that these tunnels aren't terribly deeply submerged at this point because you can actually see the grates from the street above you. And every 20 feet or so, you're seeing very weak rays of sunlight coming into the otherwise pitch darkness of the tunnels. But that light is very weak and you have to be looking out for so many different things down here. The ground isn't very steady. There's all sorts of things for you to trip over, including vines. Why are there vines down here? Why do the vines move? What? As another Dianaga tentacle wraps around your ankle, pulling you face down into the water. Not again. (laughs) 
So yes, will you roll me initiative here, Castian? I am going to say that this is vigilance, which is combat is unexpected. I got three successes and three advantages. It rolled two successes, two advantages. So you're going to get to go first. And the first thing I need you to do is roll me a fear check. I've dealt with Dianaga before. Does Have you dealt with a Dianaga that has 10 eyes? Wait, do they have 10 eyes? Well, a normal Dianaga does not. As we all know, a normal Dianaga has one single eye stalk that likes to blink at you disconcertingly out of trash piles. However, if you run into a King Dianaga, it could have 10 eyes. As you look up from your, your place in the, the muck, you're trying to pull yourself to your feet. And you realize that you have run into Dianagas before, but never one this big. Because you are in the den of a King Dianaga. Ten or more of them have knotted themselves together in the close confines of the tunnels. Oh, oh, so this is not like just a one- Oh my, this is like a rat king, like the- the oak. That's so f- that's- that's- that's actually really just- yeah, no, I need a fear check. This is going to be hard. Three dice. That is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard of. Is that in the book? It is not. Oh my god. Oh. Okay, I got two successes and two advantages. That's what Castian got. I am, me personally, I'm failing because that is so gross. <laughs> well, with two successes and two advantages, Castian at least is able to keep it together. And in fact, with the advantages can still act on this round. One thing you notice as you're looking up, the Dianaga is obviously aware of you in some sense because one of the tentacles attacked you. But you see that some of the eyes are sleeping, some of the eyes are awake. The Dianaga is still 10 separate creatures that all have their own hopes and dreams, whatever they are for a Dianaga. So it doesn't act as one unit necessarily, but this is just to add to more creepiness of it, that some of it can sleep while other parts of it are awake to attack you. Okay, with that in mind, what's above me? Immediately above you is just the roof of the tunnel. The tunnel itself is maybe eight feet tall. So another two feet above you is where the, the roof of the tunnel is. There's a grate that's a little ways back from you, and of course there's another grate on the other side of the Dianaga. And also as you are looking around, you know, this has become the King Dianaga's den. And this Dianaga has been here for a while because you can see the remains of some of its meals. And while usually Dianaga are bottom feeders, they feed on trash and algae and, and that sort of thing. This Dianaga is absolutely capable of eating a human being because you can see the remains of Stormtrooper armor around the Dianaga cast aside. You see helmets, you see bracers, you see chest pieces. And they obviously used multiple types of Stormtroopers to come onto this planet. You see Swamp Troopers with kind of the mottled camouflage armor. You see the classic white stormtroopers. You actually even see a jetpack from a jump trooper. This thing's already wrapped a tentacle around me, yes? Yes, around your ankle. 
So do I have to try to break free? Can I just attack to try to cut my way out? Since that was an attack of opportunity, meant for dramatic purposes more so than anything else, it has not actually attacked you yet in any way that we have to roll to escape from. So you are able to essentially act unencumbered. Yeah, Castian is going to attack the tentacle that is trying to get him. Go right ahead. This has one defense. This also has adversary two. So all of your rolls against it, all attacks against it are upgraded twice. I got one success, one advantage, and one triumph. Wow, okay, so what do you do to this poor Dianaga that just wanted a snack? It is 10 Dianagas that wanted a snack. Cassian's gonna hit and then also do a critical injury. So it's taking eight damage right off the bat. And the critical injury that it gets is 98. So with a 98, it is crippled. One limb is impaired until healed or replaced. One additional difficulty die to all checks using that limb. Guess what? It's got plenty of limbs yeah. to make up for it. So it absolutely still has that critical injury that could add up. But for the moment, it's not going to hold it back too much. Now, can you tell me how much damage you did again? Eight. So you have finally met something that doesn't care that you have a lightsaber, as it has a soak of 12. So I did six points of damage. Yep. Castian slashes at this thing and stumbles back in the water. The Dianaga attacks now. It's nasty. Two successes, three advantages. Okay. So with that, the Dianaga wraps several tentacles around you now, getting you right around your midsection. It's trying to keep you anchored in such a way that hopefully you will think twice before you start cutting off tentacles because it is so close to very vital parts of your body. So it immediately does nine points of damage and you are going to be ensnared. Nine yeah. points of damage? Yes. Okay, I can soak four of that. Okay. I take five points of damage, so my wounds are at three now. Okay. Now, when you are ensnared, in this case, it's ensnare five. So without you doing anything, it would have you ensnared for five rounds. It would also start doing damage for every one of those rounds. Right. Now, you, of course, can try to escape. It is a hard athletics check to try to get out of this. I will. I'm going to try to definitely get out of this. Castian got one advantage and one dark side, one light side. I'm going to convert that light side clearly into success. So he succeeds and he gets one advantage. So describe to me, how do you escape this tentacle? Are you cutting through it? Do you wriggle your way out of it? What Castine does, it, it begins to squeeze him, squeeze him as much as it can. And it kind of slams him down on the ground into that water. And then when it comes back, Castine has a mouthful of that horrifying gunk and he spits it out right on the tentacle in front of him, lathering it up with this muck and goo. And then he's able to grab hold of a flare that he had on his belt, activate it, and he starts a small little fire as it burns it. And it lets him go, its tentacle withdrawing briefly as it deals with, hey, fire, that's unusual for down here. Now, of course, the problem here is that was your action for the turn. Yeah. So you can still do a maneuver or an incidental. So it's blocking basically this tunnel, is that correct? Oh yes, this thing is definitely large enough that you could not get around it. You can't get under it, you can't get over it. Castian is going to force leap with his maneuver back as far as he can away from this thing. 
So it hopefully cannot reach him. All right, roll it. Really, you're just generating the force points, especially to see how far back you can get. So just roll a force point? Right. I got two light side and one dark side. So I'm going to use those two light side to jump medium range away. All right. So you are medium range away, and that is outside of the reach of this Dianaga. It is flailing at you. You see more of those eyes beginning to blink open, and there are way too many eyes looking at you. And you see the tentacles start to reach out to the sides of the tunnel, and those tentacles sink into imperceptible cracks in the cement, and it is starting to pull its giant weight forward, inch by disgusting inch. It has you in its sights, Castian, and this creature of nightmares wants to make you its next meal. Castian snarls at it before his eyes drop to that. You said there was a jetpack, yes? From a jump trooper, right? I did. Castian is going to use the force to pull it towards him. I'm going to make you roll discipline for this, not because the actual jetpack is going to resist you in any way, but can you move it before the Dianaga overtakes it? Okay, and what's the difficulty? This is going to be, I'm going to make it an average difficulty, upgraded once. I got three successes and two advantages. And what force point did you generate? Two light side points. So I'm going to be using those to bring it to me. All right. The jetpack zips across the murky water, skipping like a stone towards you. Castian's going to take hold of it and kind of wipe off the back because it is covered with filth. And he's looking around and then he's going to look up towards, you said there was grating, yes? Yes. Castian is going to back up as far as he can towards the grating. And then he's going to cut upwards to cut a hole through the grating and allow, you know, it to fall to his side. But he's not leaping up just yet. As the Dianaga gets closer to him and closer to him, he's going to kneel down and he's going to open up the back of this jetpack. And he's going to see if he can overload it. He wants to see if he can make this explode. Okay. Give me a mechanics check. This is going to be... Average difficulty, it's not too hard to make things blow up, but I'm going to give you two setback dice because time is of the essence here. And I'm going to use one of my destiny points to upgrade my green to a yellow. I got one success. One success is all that you need as the jetpack begins to overload, sparking in your hands. Castian sets it down on the ground, looks towards the Dianaga, and then just kind of starts taunting it, like, come on, get closer, get closer. And he's occasionally looking down at the sparking jetpack that is just starting to like glow red as it's shaking at his feet, splashing water every which direction. It is about to burst. But Castian is trying to get this thing as close as possible without getting caught by it or this explosion. So I like this description, and I don't want the Dianaga just to roll for this because the Dianaga is an animal. It's just going to straight up attack you. It has no concept of the danger that is at your feet. So I would like you to roll cool to make sure that you can time this correctly. Just average difficulty. One success, one threat. I'm going to bank that threat. And with one success, you time it just right. As this thing is just about on top of me, its tentacles disengaging from the wall and heading towards me, Castian is going to jump up into the air out of this sewage thing as that jetpack finally beep, 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 explodes. Castian is going to sail up in the air, 
doing an Olympic-style gymnastics twist in the air before coming down and landing on his feet. And then he's just going to casually walk over towards the grate that he saw that was behind the Dayanaga, cut it open, and just jump down and just continue on his journey. Do you look back at the Dayanaga, Castian, to take stock of what damage you have wrought? Yes. Yes, I do. You look back, this King Dayanaga is so massive that even an exploding jetpack can't kill it. But it might be in for a long, slow, agonizing death, as you definitely see that parts of it have been singed to a crisp. Thank you, Imperial Ingenuity, he says as he turns away and walks down this tunnel. The tunnel seems to vibrate with the cries of the King Dayanaga. The tunnels go on for a disconcerting amount of time, especially as once again, you don't know exactly how much time you had left. And dealing with that Dayanaga definitely ate up a lot of your time. When you have about five minutes left, the tunnel begins to go upwards. The bottom of the tunnel isn't dry, but has only a thin trickle of water going through the center of it. As you are going up and up, apparently reaching the high point of the ground in this city. And abruptly the tunnel comes to an end. Above you, you see a simple metal cover. Castian tries the lock, but it's a little rusty. So Castian activates his blade and cuts his way out. And you are able to easily pull yourself up out of what is a simple hole in the ground once you pull yourself up onto the street. Castan is going to wipe his face again as he just kind of spins around looking for any sign of a hollow projector or just any sign of where he is right now. You are in what you can recognize immediately as the center of the city. There are remains of quaint little shops there are cobblestones beneath your feet, uprooted, overturned. But once upon a time, this was a very nice place to be. There's even the remains of a fountain here in the center, a fountain that stands before a falling apart ruins of a church. Casting is going to walk towards the fountain and cast a glance into it to see if it's captured any fresh rainwater. It has. And he's going to reach in with his palm and then just use it to wipe his face off. When you reach in to scoop up some of that water, your fingers run across something underneath the water. Not a Dianaga, not another creature. It feels like a weapon. He reaches in and he tries to pull it out. You do easily. It's a little difficult to tell underneath the rust, but this is a blaster rifle. Old, doesn't have a charge in it anymore, but definitely Imperial issue. Castian looks over the rifle for a second or two before dropping it back into the fountain. As the blaster hits the water in the fountain, roll me a discipline check. Difficulty? Easy. Five successes. Castian, you remember. Castian watches as that blaster rifle sinks into the fountain. And his eyes go wide before he looks towards that abandoned church in front of him. And he just takes a few steps back before mumbling, Oh my stars, I've been here before. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. 
You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. Greetings, and welcome to the Dicey Cantina. We are but a humble watering hole in the slums of the planet Drunkenwell. The smugglers and swoopers who pass through here are told amazing stories of resistance and rebellion against the harsh rule of the Galactic Empire, and tales, of course, of the heroes that would build a movement on hope. The Dicey Cantina podcast brings you adventures of intrigue played out as an actual play Star Wars RPG from Fantasy Flight Games. On Mondays, we tell character-driven stories through the lens of our small but colorful spot in the galaxy. Skaroo holds aloft a data pad. Lizzie, come out now or I'll burn you out. Skaroo's message burns loudly in the night sky. Imperial rule has come to Druckenwell. Can't believe I couldn't save them. I failed them. Well, if everyone thinks you're dead, might have suggested the Scots. No, man, it's a good plan. This is a work. And if, <laughs> and if you're Johnny on the spot of that frag grenade, if I get in trouble upstairs. Oh, you mean I have to go out and get them first? And he just sort of like pushes the tray over and then walks away. Is that, is that our distraction? As Veer walks past Cinder on the way to the kitchen, Cinder is going to toss him her remote. Oh, yeah, that's very like heist movie. One minute we're talking about bladders, the next minute the heist is on. The Empire is occupying our planet, but Veer and I and a few choice others have decided not to accept the Imperial rule around here. Tetsis drags himself up John Jonah. You should have taken the less physical path, and then he headbutts him. Now, revenge never helped anybody. I want my friends back. If we can get it back, Lizzie, that they haven't taken anything that we can't take back. Guys, we got we got a whole elevator coming up with angry Imperials, and I don't know if Tets is even alive. What are we about to do? Tets, are you okay? You can find us on your favorite podcatcher or uncover more at DiceyCantina.com. Slide up for a drink. We'll see you in there. <laughs>